welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and today we have the audio from our meetup on how to get good sound with Ryan Jackson of Full Circle Visuals and Chris Sakenga of the podcasts Montreal Sauce and Film Frown. The meetup was held in June at Variant Edition Comics and Culture. Special thanks to them as well as to Cafe Arista for catering and to New West Press for a door prize. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Podcast Canvas, a free tool that helps you figure out what your podcast should be about and how to make it happen. You'll hear more about that later in the show. To see some of the equipment that Chris and Ryan refer to in this podcast, please visit the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com. And now let's listen to what they had to say. So I want you to welcome our guest today to my direct right is Ryan Jackson. He's won 26 national and international awards for multimedia photojournalism and interactive storytelling um, over the past decade in, in his career. He was one of the first people actually in the world to figure out how to shoot 360 video and share how to, and he shared it online, which was unusual because those of others who had figured it out were keeping that knowledge to themselves. And Ryan said, I'm going to share it, which got other kinds of attention, some negative, some positive. Um, If you ever saw the Edmonton Journal's 360 video of the dodgeball game where the the, the U of A set the world record for dodgeball, that's Ryan who shot that. Uh, He and I worked closely together at the Edmonton Journal. She's my old boss. I was his old boss. (laughs) Um, I still boss him around just for old time's sake, right? (laughs) And he now has a 360-degree video company called Full Circle Visuals that is going to change the way you look at the world. Uh, to Ryan's uh, right is Chris Sakanga. He's a motion graphics and video editor, a writer, and a podcaster. He and his co-producer Paul DeLeo do two podcasts, an interview show with creators called Montreal Sauce and a bad movie show called Film Frown. And in both, they record sound in both Edmonton and Michigan and sometimes elsewhere, depending on where their guests is. So he brings that experience along with what he has learned from an education and a career in video. Please welcome them. Okay, so you both have video backgrounds, but you're both very passionate about audio, and I want to know why. So why is audio so important, Ryan? Uh, well, first off, just um, audio is more important than video, I would say, because you can fake you can fake making someone look good, but you can't fake making someone sound good. And part of the reason sound is just important as a primal thing. You know, you've heard of our lizard brain. Um, the most primal part of our brain is essentially uh, attached to sound first. We hear sounds before. Sounds will uh, give will cause us to react to things a lot faster than visuals will. When you hear a crack behind you, you'll quickly turn. But if you see a crack on the screen, you'll be a little bit of a delay. Just in at, at most primal levels, um, audio is the most important thing we hear first, and we're very uh, picky about it. So and also sound is often the way that we connect emotionally to people through sound, through music and also when you're hearing a story you're hearing someone tell you that story so sound is just at its basic very important and sound is also often the most overlooked thing and it's one of the easiest it's one of the easiest ways to make your production good and it's one also one of the easiest ways to make your production terrible really <laughs> so that's why and there's just some very very simple thing minimums that you should reach to have okay sound 
Does that answer your question? It does. Yeah, how would you answer that question, Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, the importance of sound in video is, uh, it's it's so important because it impacts you emotionally. A good reference, I guess, is now that we have so much of this online video, we've all seen a YouTube video or something, but every now and then, as we've already discussed about Skype, you have these broadband internet problems, and sometimes things get out of sync. And the moment like someone's mouth talking gets out of sync with what they're saying, you're completely out of it, whether it's like an emotional piece or just someone's YouTube video, it bothers you. And so sound is very important. And as Ryan said, like, you know, you can see the most gorgeous video you've ever put together. And if they just recorded it with the sound right off of the camera, it's really hard to stomach sometimes. I mean, we talk a lot about in podcasting about how um, content is really king. And I think it was the second podcast meetup that I came to where we also talked about audio with mm-hmm. Adam and stuff. And um, there's an idea of good audio, and then there's the, the studio quality audio. And I think, like, content is definitely king, but if people can't listen to, you know, the stuff in the background is too grainy on their brains, like when their earphones, when they're on the bus, then it's not going to, the content isn't going to work. Right. <laughs> and the most basic thing to remember in everything you ever do is that you as the producer, everything you do should be to um, enhance the story, like raise, you know, your, your subject. You want to make them sound like an expert. You want to make them sound as good as possible. And anything you do that takes away from that is hurting the story. In general, the reason you want good sound is because if you do it right, the viewer or listener won't think about you at all. They'll only think about what your subject is saying. If the listener at home is hearing an echoey room, they're not thinking or bad sound or the sound of, you know, your microphone rustling. They're not thinking about the subject. They're thinking about, oh, I wish wish the podcast producer would move the mic closer or I wish this wasn't in such an echoey room. They're they're, they're being distracted. So you want to always add to the story. Don't take away from it. That's just one general rule to always follow. Before we get to the technology, I want to just talk about like basic general things, like where it's regardless of what microphone you have, just general rules okay. to follow. Because it's very easy if you start with a microphone, people just think, oh, all I need to do is buy that microphone. And, and that's and not it. Okay, okay. You so can, yes. Yeah, you can have a $10 microphone and make it sound excellent. You can have a $1,000 microphone and make it sound like garbage. So it just in general, and please add to these. Um, you know, for one thing, your most, well, actually, now, now I'm going to, I am going to refer to a piece of equipment, but it's not recording, your <laughs> headphones. This is the, this is more important than your microphone, if you ask me, because not wearing headphones when you're recording audio is like not looking through the viewfinder when you're taking pictures, right? <laughs> and you have to wear these, and there's one, again, your brain, there's a primal reason why. Your brain tunes things out, right? So you probably haven't noticed that all of the uh, fluorescent lights above us have a hum. Let's stop awkwardly and listen. Actually, it's not a hum, but you can hear, you can hear the, the HVAC, right, yeah. humming. Your brain tuned that out, and your pr- brain will tune out amazing things. I've done entire interviews with people, and it's not till I got home that I realized that the radio was on in the background. And during this great, compelling interview, you hear Nickelback <laughs> in the background, right? So, and, and I didn't even notice it, but you're, because your brain tunes out background sounds. So the reason you wear headphones is because when you do that, it, like, turns off that filter, and now you're hearing exactly what your microphone is hearing and you're hearing everything that you don't want to hear too so if the person's wearing uh say a rain jacket or or a winter coat and every time they move they make that 
<laughs> sound, you'll hear that. Another important so thing. stop on, yeah. on Chris, you monitor when you're um, recording as well? Yeah, I would add to that by saying one of the things that I think a lot of people don't do is control the space. And mm-hmm. as video producers, uh, what's, that's one of the things we do. But the idea is, again, the viewfinder. What I have to do is control the viewfinder and get Warren in front of me situated in a way that everything looks good in the background and looks great. But when you put the headphones on, now you have to worry about the HVAC. You have to worry about the refrigerator in the next room. And so if you can control the room, if you can step over to someone and say, can I unplug your refrigerator just for the duration of this interview for 30 minutes? Can I, you know, turn off your HVAC, your heater, your air conditioning? Those kinds of things can really make a big difference. I've literally done that. Well, you don't actually even have to unplug the fridge. You can just turn the knob all the way down. But I, I can tell you from experience that during the best part of the interview, when the person is starting to tear up and tell you the the most important part of the whole interview, <laughs> in fact, on my computer, in my Dropbox, I have a folder that's just full of examples because I used to teach at McEwen. I have examples of kind of hilarious yet sad examples of like someone crying and in the background kicks in. <laughs> and um, so yeah, unplug that and re- remember to turn it back on after. But uh, also number one, oh my god, if it can't, here's another. In- Incredibly important rule to always follow for the rest of your life. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. <laughs> That's in, so if your phone is not on silent, it, you're going to get a call. Don't forget that even if your phone is on silent, if you have an alarm set to remember to get the milk, that doesn't care that you're on silent. So turn, check to make sure you don't have alarms going off. Um, you know, phone off is better than phone on silent. Uh, because the other thing is that your phones, if your phone is too close to a microphone, depending on the kind of microphone you have, if your phone is sitting next to it and you get a text, you'll pick up that. Have you ever heard that when, you're, when your phone's next to a speaker, it gets this weird interference? Again, that will happen during the most important part of your interview. And if you don't have headphones on, you won't notice it. So that's, that's why you want to listen to it. So just control it. And also in terms of controlling your room, that's also, you have a choice. If you're sitting in a house, you have a choice of which room to be in. If you're in a kitchen, you have hard surfaces. You have, you have like, linoleum and pots and pans and you know hard ceilings and it's going to have a harsh echoey sound so instead say hey can we conduct this interview in the living room living room has carpet couches curtains other alliteration and and you can (laughs) and it's going to have a a softer more pleasing sound to it so um you know often and here's another great tip sometimes just say hey can we do the interview in the car your car yes. is like the best sound booth you have. So um, to, and I've, I've done interviews where I'm outside with someone. It's really windy. And I just say, hey, you know what? Can we just go in my car for five minutes? And it's like it's like your own little sound booth. So often don't be afraid to move your subject. Don't be afraid to change your scene uh, because these little things make big differences. Yeah, I would also say like uh, as I said in the beginning, like content is king. And so – Obviously, like, if uh, Ryan can get an interview with the mayor and the mayor has, like, 20 minutes to do this and he has to do it in a kitchen somewhere, do the best that you can, maybe content is king in that area. But So we're going to talk about getting really great audio, but, you know, you have to balance the two, too. Like, what what can you get and where can you get it? Sometimes I feel like that happens. Right, which I think that is the case for many of us. Not so much in that kind of news reporter kind of way where this is my only chance to talk, although it might be the case for you. But for most of us, it's not like it's my only chance to talk to this person, so i got to grab them while I can. 
I think most of us have a, a challenge where, well, this is the equipment I have. This is the equipment I can afford. This is the time, the only time I can do this, those kinds of things. So well, keep talking about making the best of what you, the, the, the conditions that you're under. Yeah, I mean, for example, uh, Film Frown, we, as you said, Paul and I record from Michigan to Edmonton, and I decided to invite some friends over and do something over the summer without Paul, and he has a lot way rad equipment than I do. Uh, And so I had to figure it out. But the other part of it was now I have three other people that I'm doing this bonus podcast with. And so for interaction, it's going to be best to sit at a table and talk to each other like this rather than to like separate each other so I can make sure each track is separate. So in that case, I made that compromise and I said, okay, we're going to do this in the kitchen where I have this table that we can all sit at. Can I move the kitchen into a room with carpet? or move the kitchen, move the table. Uh, And I was like, that's going to be really hard. I'm going to have to take the legs off the table. This is going to have to happen. And then what I did is start to control the room. I mean, a lot of producers, or when you get into the major films, they have these awesome things that they use to baffle sound, like called sound blankets. Regular blankets work just as well. So I started draping the room with blankets here and there to kind of deaden some of this hardwood floor and the wall sound that I had to even make it a little bit better. And... I did the best that I could, but I tried to control the space, as I said before. Bouncing off of that, I've also done it. And just if you want just a really, really cheap DIY thing, what I've done many times is you take two. So you set a person at the table. You take two chairs. You put a chair here on top of the table. You put another chair here to the left and right of them. You take a blanket, and you just drape it over the chairs and kind of under here. So now it's like just all all the tables are doing is just making a little tent to hold this blanket. So now the person is kind of surrounded by this blanket, and it, it's a night and day difference. Um, just pretend like you're having a little sleepover. Mm-hmm. So there are also mic shields that you can get. Yeah. yeah. And so there's acoustic foam you can order online. Mm-hmm. It's relatively cheap. And then with cardboard, you can make your own little yeah. mic shield. Same kind of idea. Exactly. The, yeah, there's lots of little different uh, things. Uh, a tip that a friend of mine gave me recently, actually, if you go to Princess Auto, they sell uh, moving blankets. Like if you were moving your house, they'd wrap it in those big blue blankets. And they have like three pound and and six pound blankets. Get the six pound apparently. But but the point is they're like cheap and you could just hang them off of things. And it's a way to, a friend of mine has a studio, like a photography studio and it's all hauled hardwood floors and stone walls and the sound is terrible. But if he's doing video, he'll just set up these blankets in a circle and it's like a night and day difference. And it was only like a few bucks from Princess Auto. So there's always little cheap DIY ways around things. Um, I remember you telling me uh, something about cameras, where you said the best camera you have is the camera you have with you. Yes. Right? And sometimes that's your iPhone camera, because yes. you can't take a picture with the thing you left in the car. Exactly. Right? So sometimes that might be the same case with recording. Yes. Do you have any techniques for making even your your audio recording on an iPhone better yes so one little this is coming from my wife um some people are very ocd and hate little annoying things that you should be listening to again with headphones things like fidgeting like this moving things like tapping people will often tap and it's very easy to tune it out so pay attention to humming people will hum uh and the other biggest no-no is food get people to eat and drink before don't have food because don't forget I live streamed a, um, a, a, a judging thing a few months ago and one of the judges spent the whole time like eating and sipping I didn't even notice 
um, my wife was texting me. It was like, tell her to stop doing that because every time she she would like t- this woman would like take a drink. But don't forget the microphone is like two inches from her mouth. So the people at home because it was being live streamed just are, <laughs> and it was so it was so annoying. So and and these these things turn people off. Um, always remember that what what bugs you or doesn't bug you is not necessarily what bugs your audience. So. Just be considerate of that and try try to avoid fidgeting. Um, if you have someone who has ADD or something and they're like tapping their feet a lot, I, I fidget a lot. Just just tell them to stop. <laughs> yes. Um, what are your thoughts on putting headphones on your guest? If they're not, I think you should have headphones on your guest. Um, if it's you know uh, President Obama, maybe not. The reason you want uh, everyone to have headphones on is so that everyone can hear the volume of their voice. Um, if people aren't wearing them, they might be talking way too loud or way too quiet and your levels are all over the place. So it's important that they hear. The other great thing is that say you're doing a group interview with say four people and they're all wearing headphones, you now have four people who are listening for fidgeting, for tapping and, 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 and give your guests permission. Say, Hey, if anyone here notices anyone else, be spies for me. Just, we can shut it down. I also just feel in general, people feel more, Again, because it's like more intimate. You're connected directly to your other people's vocal cords when you're wearing headphones. Mm-hmm. You're included into what you're doing, too. Yeah. Right? Like, if we're just talking and, like, you don't have headphones on, I can be doing this, and now you've asked me a question. And Breathing's a big thing, too. Yeah. So this comes to, we're, we'll get a little, te- well, actually, I'm just going to make a technical note, and we'll, we'll talk more tech later. But in general, it's a good thing to be able to record each microphone separately. So, like, I'm, I'm here, I'm using a Zoom H6. It's a field recorder. It has up to six XLR inputs. You can have six different microphones. And when you hit record, it's recording into six separate WAV files. So now, after the fact, they're all synced together. But now, after the fact, when, when you're editing in Audacity or whatever, you can fade up and fade down people. So that, that means that if, you're only, if you are only asking person one a question when they're answering, you're only hearing their mic. And you're not hearing the other people who are breathing or fidgeting. So it's just, it's good. It's more expensive, of course, but there's smart ways you can go about it. But it's always better to record individual tracks. I think that's a huge thing that people overlook. But in the editing, like that requires more work than just outputting what you have and going with it. And that's a real frustration for people at times, but I think it's worth it. The only time that it really becomes a problem for, say, us on Montreal Sauce is we do the show live for two hours because I'm long-winded when I talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what happens is when we record for two hours, two hours plus recording, um, each of us and each of our digital devices has an internal clock, and those clocks are all different. So your microwave, sometimes you'll notice, is a little bit faster than, say, the the digital clock in the dashboard of your car. And that's what happens when you record digital audio for longer periods of time. Like if we did a show for three hours, you get what we call audio drift. And so my recording file of me, if I have someone else recording their file separately on their computer and my computer, you get a little bit of a drift where like now the audio gets out of sync and you have to start to put that together. So that can be a kind of a frustration, but still it's so much better than, you know, if I just clank my hand on the table, now you can edit that out of my track versus having it being in the whole audio track that you're about to release. So. And the drift thing, that's where, you know, more expensive recorders, there's there's a, a bunch of reasons why they're more expensive. They're, yeah. they're knobs, they have better inputs, they have better sound, but there's other things like they have better clocks. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So if you buy like a you know three or five thousand dollar recorder that you'd use like on Hollywood, it is has a perfect clock and you can record for hours. And if you record it for an hour, it has exactly an hour. And and and, and these are things that if you're starting off or doing your own own thing and it's only an hour long, it's not a big deal. But these these little things that he said, they'll add time to fix after the fact. And if you're doing a if you're doing this for a living for money or like for a Hollywood movie and you're recording thousands of hours, these little things add up to a lot of time. So that's where you can justify spending the money on the gear. But I, I always recommend you start off with the small thing because then you'll appreciate the big thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you'll never even need it. In general, you want to have the microphone below the person's mouth, uh, kind of like near their chin. And there's two reasons for that. One, if it's just below their mouth, they're not breathing right into it. But two, your voice does not just come from your mouth. Your voice comes from your mouth and from your diaphragm, your chest. The base of your voice comes from your diaphragm. So you want to have the mic kind of down here by your chest to get that. One other little this last point I was wanting to make about distracting things. There's handling noise. If you're holding the microphone, you hear it. And all, even if it's in a stand, if people are fidgeting or bumping, you're going to hear that. So having a, what's called a shock mount, which is basically just a, a bunch of elastic bands that hold your, your, your thing, help absorb those vibrations. And also something called a pop screen or a windscreen. So here, if I'm outside and the wind blows down this, you're going to hear that, you're hear that rustling sound. Yeah. So the way around that is you put, this is called a dead cat, and it's, it's just basically fur, fake fur. And if you put this over the microphone, when I breathe into it, it doesn't pick up that that uh, rustling sound. And also in the studio, sometimes in recording studios, you'll see kind of like a, it looks like a disc in front of the microphone. That's called a pop screen. And it's basically just a piece of like pantyhose that that uh, makes it so that your loud pop sounds get blocked by that. I was just going to rewind a little bit yeah. and go back to your question, Karen, about mm-hmm. um, separating tracks because mm-hmm. I think it's important. One of the little kind of uh, budget kind of ways that you can do this Sometimes with um, your portable recording devices or your little miniature mixers, what you can do is record one voice on the left track and one person on the right track, and now you have two separate tracks that you can then take into your editor and fix to make them stereo. So that's a good little workaround for a budget to kind of get things on separate tracks. So now that way when you have that hand bang on a table or something, you can easily take it out. Okay. So I'm going to bring it back to a couple of things that are common conditions for local podcasters. This situation, which we are actually recording on, which is like a snowball bike in the middle of the room, is pretty common and less than ideal, right? Because it doesn't put everybody on a separate track. It is um, pretty susceptible to a lot of those bang, pump, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But that's what we have. So... Is there anything else besides controlling the room and um, not thumping on the table that we can do to make the best of that kind of situation? One of the best things to do, and we don't do it enough, is to play with your new equipment. And you always think, like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to have so much fun. And uh, usually I give it a cursory hookup and think, okay, it works. Yeah. Um, And you really need to, like, instead of just controlling space, control the microphone. Like, I... I have a microphone on a boom arm, so like I feel really great about that. And then a few months ago, I went and bought a new monitor, um, and so now I have a new flat surface right in front of my boom arm. The first time we did the podcast, and then I heard Paul had edited it and put it up, and I heard it, and I was like, 
oh, like I never thought, like I've changed the space and I've never thought to like, oh, let me like just flip on the recorder and talk a little bit and move around and see like where's a good spot and maybe I need to get one of those like shields to put around the microphone. Sit down in this room and sit in front of the snowball and sit in each one of these chairs and see what it's like and maybe we need to move the chair across the way or something like that to make sure that it works. Right. Anything else you could think of for making the best of this? The the closer the better, but not too close is a rule for for, for for microphones. And that remember I said how the closer the microphone is, the bassier you sound. So you want to have the microphone as close to your subject as possible, but not so close that they're popping their peas. Closer the microphone is to someone, the better it's gonna sound. And one just gen, general rule is to remember think of your microphone recording as a bubble. There's a bubble around this that's that and everything inside of the bubble sounds good. Everything outside of the bubble is really quiet. Now, if on your mixer, if you turn your microphone up, you can make that bubble bigger. Okay? So let's say the bubble right now was was a foot in a, a circle. So I'm talking and I sound really good because I'm inside the bubble. But if I move far away, I'm really quiet. Now, if we turn the volume all the way up on this on this thing, then all of a sudden um the bubble is, say, six feet. So now, not only are you hearing me, you're hearing Chris, you're hearing the table, you're hearing the HVAC. It's, it's too loud. You're hearing too much. So instead, I want to turn the microphone down and get it closer. So always imagine your microphone recording space as, as a bubble, and you want to have that bubble as small as possible in terms of have your volume as low as you can and your microphone as close as you can so that you're only so that the microphone is only hearing... The, the small bubble close to the person and not hearing, like right now, we only have one microphone on this table. So he's probably turned the volume up so that it's here. So the bubble is probably, you know, six feet, 12 feet. So the microphone here is hearing me, Chris, Karen, and you guys all breathing at the same time. And it's also hearing the reflections on the walls, hearing everything because it's a big bubble. Now, let's, let's bring that to practicality. Often, if you're in a setting like this, you only have one mic. How do you get that mic as close as possible? Well, one thing would be you get a volunteer. You put this on the end of a stick, a broomstick, and you have a volunteer, maybe your sound recordist, who's basically just taking that microphone and as people talk is just moving the broomstick left and right so that it's closer to each person. It, that very simple trick of getting the mic as close as of having a small bubble that's close to people is going to sound better than having a big recording bubble that's in the middle of the room. A, another practical thing is to use tie clip mics. So instead of having one mic in the middle, you spend the money on getting, you know, say, say you're going to interview two people or three people, you get two or three tie clip mics, you clip the microphone right under, you know, right uh, uh, at the top of their chest, below their chin, and they sound good. These microphones, they don't sound as good as a big, you know, snowball or a big condenser mic, but think about practicality. The upside of, of putting on a tie clip mic is you don't have to worry about moving a mic, you don't have to worry about people uh, bumping it there's just it's a lot more practical sometimes so perhaps your interview might if you're if you're going to do a lot of field interviews it might make sense just to get a couple tie clip mics and then the other thing that's going to happen a lot is skype interviews as we heard mm -hmm. so what can you do to make the sound as good as possible when you are in one place and your subject is in another place and you are um, and the sound is coming through skype yeah there's some really basic things like just getting in contact with them ahead of time finding out what kind of gear they have and a lot of times people are eager because they're representing themselves. We're all about brands, not people anymore. So uh, they want to sound good. So 
they will take the time to say, can I call you tomorrow or can I call you 20 minutes before we're going to record or go live so that we can do that. So most people aren't adverse to doing that. And then the other side of that is um, to just make sure, as they call it in the podcast biz, doing a double ender. So you record your voice, they record their voice, and now you have a lot of editing work to do. But now you've got a pristine track instead of all these like Skype dropouts where like the Internet did something and now you've lost their voice for five seconds. And so the double ender is a good idea, though. One thing that I like to do with my little mix board here um, that's also very popular when it comes to Skype is what's called the mix minus. Um, you're going to have to pay not a lot more for um, in the case, especially with this little board that I got. But what you're doing essentially is I'm sending out. My microphone is connected to the mixer. My mixer is connected to the in of the computer. So now my microphone is now talking to Skype. I'm talking to that person. The computer is coming out and into the mixer. So now that I can control that person's level in case they're a little bit lower. And why it's called a mix minus is because that line going out from here to the computer is not taking their voice back into the computer so they hear themselves in like a terrible echo loop back delay. So it's a mix of us, but then it's minus them so that they just get me. And so that's all done analog through the board. I'm not using the USB function of this board to do that. Um, and it's a very valuable thing, and it's easy thing to like uh, search online and try to figure out like the best way to do that. But that's really helpful if you are in a situation where you have to record both parties and you're not going to get a double ender or a second track from other people so that you can kind of control at least their level and if you have dropouts and stuff, like you're obviously still in a little bit of trouble, but that's one way to kind of control more of a Skype call. So one thing is if you're, if you're sending, if you're interviewing someone and they are completely computer literate and, and you, they, all they have is the built-in microphone and you're, there's nothing else, one option is you can, this is if you happen to have another recorder, you can mail, give them to them next time you see them, or mail them a recorder, like a like a like an actual audio recorder. Okay, and you have them set it up in front of themselves and hit record, and then you start this the Skype interview. And now your the good audio is being recorded by this like actual like more professional recorder, and then uh, you can conduct the interview as if you don't even really have to worry about Skype because because your good audio is coming from that that recorder, which is right here. And then when you're done the interview, they mail the recorder back to you. Uh, I mean, this is, this is assuming you have a recorder, but you can get like an Olympus recorder. You can get like recorders have come so far now. And, and this is just a way to get better audio than the built-in mic. So one option is to send them a recorder. I'll get back to you. And, and the other thing is they probably have a smartphone, like an iPhone or an Android. And any, any smartphone Android has a not a pretty, not bad, audio recorder in it. So if you're, you can basically ask them, hey, pull out your iPhone, bring up the voice recorder app, and remember all these other rules where the microphone doesn't matter, the closer the better, don't pop your peas, control the room. If you just have a microphone, sorry, an iPhone right here hitting record, they're not popping their peas, it's probably going to sound pretty good. And then when they're done, they can go email you that track. And there you've got a 
kind of free way to get much better audio. Uh, another thing with Skype, if it's Skype and if the point of this interview is is audio, maybe do audio only. If you're getting dropouts or the, you know Skype can sometimes have dynamic quality where it's good quality and then it drops to low quality, you know what? Just do audio. It's better to see people. It's better to make eye contact. But if, if it's becoming an issue, just do audio only. Uh, one annoying OCD thing for audio is sometimes people can get way too loud, right? Especially if someone laughs. So, you know, your audio is great, the levels are great, and then someone bursts out laughing and it's just, it, it's, it's screaming in your ears. So one general thing is you want to train your talent. Train your talent that when they laugh, they turn away. Paula Simons was the best. She was wonderful at this. She knew whenever she laughed, she would turn away. Um, this it, is on the podcast. On the, the podcast of the Edmonton Journal. Journal. Yeah. Um, and so train train your subjects to be polite and, and laugh away. What I find mm. is that it is very difficult for me to multitask. So it's hard to have all my back channel thinking about how to do good, ask good questions and journalism while I'm also listening to the person. And that actually takes up all of the space in my brain that should be also spent on monitoring the quality of the sound. So I know when I'm doing it that I'm doing it wrong, and I can't I help it. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's very hard. I've conducted many long interviews where I do not remember a thing the person said at the yeah. end, and I just and the worst is when someone asks me a question back, and it's like, "What do you think of the thing I just said?" And I'm like, "Oh God," because <laughs> it's or people. I'll be doing an interview, and I'll be like, "Oh man, I'm not listening to what you're saying," but it's because yeah, your brain is. It's very hard to think about the questions you're asking to think about what they're saying back to you to th- and then also to be like is it recording is it recording is yeah. it recording the whole time and i and i guess the only uh, the only advice i can say is that it gets better with time the more you do it i mean the technical stuff when you first start off is very overwhelming of course but once you've done it a hundred times you know that you know 80 percent of the time i set the knob to an eight and 80 percent not 80% of the time that's good enough you know, and, and, and these little things like fidgeting, sound, wearing headphones, the more you do them, the better they come. And, uh, and you'll just, and, and so it just, it gets better. It comes with practice, basically. Because eventually, that's what you ultimately want. You want to just be able to hit record and, and have a good conversation. Yeah. yeah. Not, or not you spend the budget, not on the gear, but on an engineer. Yeah, you have another producer <laughs> to do those things or, for you. Yeah, you get more brains. Yeah. 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 We'll take a break to hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with more from Ryan and Chris. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Podcast Canvas, a tool that I've created to help people figure out the strategy around starting a podcast. As you know, I started this podcast about a year ago, and I've immersed myself in the podcasting world for even longer than that. And as a result, people ask me all the time about starting their own. But they usually ask me things like, what kind of microphone should I get? And how do I get into iTunes? And how long should it be? Stuff like that. These are not the first questions to ask. First, you need to know who you want to reach, what they are interested in hearing, and what your goals are. Then you can answer the questions about format, frequency, length, and all that, and then you can start thinking about getting a mic and putting into action the good advice you're getting from Ryan and Chris. So if you're thinking of starting a podcast or you're thinking of retooling your current podcast or you know someone who needs help, Visit podcastcanvas.com for a free planning tool to answer the most important questions first. That's podcastcanvas.com. And now back to our meetup. 
I'm gathering from you that there's an awful lot we can do to fix it in pre, but if we have to fix it in post, what what do, what do you do? Like, what are common things that you can do in the editing process to fix the common mistakes that arise? The basic, most basic thing you can do is say there was something you couldn't control. You're recording, you can only use this one room, and there's a refrigerator with a lock on it, and it's buzzing the whole time. Now, if there's a consistent sound all the way through, a buzz or a hum the whole way through, and it's one specific sound, you can filter it. So what you do is, and this is just a general practice for any interview you ever do ever, at the beginning or the end of the interview, you say, we're just going to record a minute of room noise. And you just, everyone quiet, hit record, room noise, and you just wait. Some people do it for a minute. I usually do it for 10 seconds. Now you have uh, 10 seconds of just that hum. In Audacity, and if you Google, if you go on YouTube, type in like Ryan Jackson uh, filter noise. And I have a tutorial for Audacity on how to do this. Um, and you can get uh, basically what you do in Audacity. It's you can, there's like tools or plugins, audio filtering. It says point at basically you select an area of your audio that's just noise. You hit create profile, and then it's like you select your main audio and you hit like apply filter, and it just magically subtracts the hum from your audio. And it's sometimes it's just magic. Other times, it doesn't work as well. There's little sliders. I don't even know what they do, but you can slide them to change the stuff. There are filters you can do, and sometimes it's pretty ma magical what, what it can do automatically. But the problem is if that tone of that, of that hum, if, say, it's a low-frequency hum and the person you're interviewing has a low voice, some of those frequencies might be the same. So if you apply too much of the filter, you're actually taking away from their voice, and you can make them sound bad. Now, one thing to remember with this is that the people at home don't know what this guy or girl sounds like. So if you're messing with their voice, it might bug you, but the people at home probably don't even know. <laughs> so that's just one thing to keep in mind. But there are tricks. That is like the only filter I tend to, to use. There's a lot of filters. There's crazy like $2,000 filter packs you can get that do wizardry on audio. Um, but that is where you're moving more to like a professional sound engineer. Uh, to do it, uh, and also just EQ. There's in, in Audacity, or whatever. There's an EQ of the lines, and you can just kind of listen to it and like find that frequency of the hum, and you can just pull it down. The, 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 usually, EQ and and, and uh, noise filtering are the main things I do. I'm not uh, big on filters. I mean, it's one of those things where if it works, it works, but nine times out of ten, it doesn't. And then you're spending all this time like researching, trying to figure out why isn't it just working? I want it to work. So a lot of times I'm just knee-deep in the waveform, just like, oh, let me just kind of like fade this out right here and maybe drop in some of that room tone that you've recorded earlier over that spot where someone dropped a pen or something like that. I'm usually more like in the thick of it because, uh, I don't know, maybe because I'm older, so I'm just like, I don't trust these newfangled. Uh, <laughs> it's really, and this also comes with time, like I've tried all these filters and once you screw something up and you spend hours on filters to, and it's still kind of, it's kind of crappy, it'll just, the next time you go to record, you'll remember, hey, I should get this right the first time. Um, it all comes from making mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Um, I say to students often, you know, the difference between you and me is I've made more mistakes than you. Right. That's why I'm I'm better because I've made more mistakes and I've learned. So uh, and and that and that comes just with time and with doing. Right. So all podcasts suck at the beginning, 
and then they get better and better. Hopefully they get better. But sound, again, coming back to the very, very first question, sound is very important, especially now with podcasts. Everyone in this room has a podcast, right? Everyone has a podcast. Podcasts mm-hmm. are so ubiquitous now. Everyone talks about podcasts. They're so hot right now. But the thing is, because there's so many great podcasts out there, if you are going to make a podcast, it better sound good. It better meet these minimum requirements of good because why would I, I don't care how good your podcast is. If it sounds like crap that I have 10 other podcasts that 10 other friends have told me, you gotta listen to this. (laughs) So if you, if you turn me off in the first 10 seconds, unsubscribe. So so not to be harsh, but that's just a reality, right? There's a million podcasts out there. So you're, and you've got to, there's a minimum level of quality that people expect because you're literally in their ears and it, and it's like you're into the, and you can hear people breathe. You can hear people eat. You can hear people tapping. You can hear bad sound. You can hear the echoes. So just try to eliminate all of those and, and make it so the, so that your listener is just hearing you and the subject. Cause that's the point, right? What kind of level are you looking for? when you? <laughs> I typically, I typically am trying to make my levels peak at minus 12. Uh, if it's a person who has a really dynamic range of their voice, like they can talk quiet and then they get really loud, uh, I might set them to, say, minus t- uh, 18 or minus 24, a little lower, so I have more room. Um, in general, it's better to be quieter than it is to be too loud. And this, this is the same like photography, right? It's better to be a little underexposed because you can brighten the image than it is to be overexposed because you can't bring it back. If your audio is too hot or too, too clipping too much or it's too hot and too loud, if you turn it down, you're just making crappy audio quieter. Um, now, when you, uh, or if you take a picture that's overexposed and everything's white, well, you can't turn down white. So uh, in general, it's better to play it safe and be a little lower than you think. And then as you get better, you can learn to push it. What I would say is, as again, Ryan pointed out, the headphones are magical. So do that initial mm-hmm. like set levels with your guest, talk to them about what color car they drive, whatever, what they've eaten. But do that and then stop and play it back and listen to it in yeah. your headphones because, you know, you were distracted by setting levels and doing all that stuff. See if, you, if it's good. And if you're recording to a digital device that has a waveform on it, look at that after it's been recorded because you'll find some changes. It's yeah. really strange. Also with headphones, like I've had these headphones, headphones for 10 years. I know exactly how they sound. I can plug these into this recorder or my recorder or her laptop, and it's like consistent. I know that the, how these sound. We didn't get too into technical. You guys I can talk did for great, and we're at the end of what I can put on the podcast, so I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much. I think that's it. So stick around and ask these guys some questions, and everyone ask me, and yes, let's clap. It'll sound good on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and thanks again to Ryan and Chris for sharing their wisdom. Check out Ryan's business at fullcirclevisuals.com, and you can find everything that Chris is up to at sickdays.me. That's S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S dot me. These links will be in the show notes at seenandheryig.com. Our next meetup will be on September 18th at Cafe Rista on 142nd Street and 103rd Avenue in Edmonton. Details will be available on the Edmonton Podcasting Meetup page. Subscribe to my newsletter at seenandheardyegg.com for complete coverage of Edmonton's blogs and podcasts. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening.